0: Would you turn with me this evening to the book of Psalms? Psalm 34 is our text on our series about the life of praise. We've been for some weeks now on the life of praise. And this is our text. Let's read it out loud together. Psalm 34, verse 1, 2, and 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. A wealth of good things from this passage. I'll bless the Lord when? All In the beginning of this series we spent the uh, whole first session on when do you praise the Lord. And uh, there are many things the Bible has to say about that. And this kind of sums it up. When When is it appropriate to praise the Lord? All he said at all times. His praise shall continually. There it is repeated continually at all times, be in my mouth. How many believe it's right to praise God right out loud? That was a little weak. (laughs) I didn't write this, you know. This is right. So the scripture teaches us to praise God out of our mouth, not just silently in our heart and in our mind, but right out loud. You know, you get into some things here of the power of the spoken word. You know, God created the heavens and the earth with the spoken word, right? He took the vision and faith and creative power inside him and he put it into his words. And when he spoke words, it released faith and power. Well, we're created in his likeness and image and he teaches us to imitate him. Imitate God, the Bible said, as dear children. How are you born again? Hmm? You believe in your heart that God's raised Jesus from the dead. What else do you do? Confess with your what? It's just very specific, isn't it? Not just have a thought in your mind, but do what? Confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus or Jesus is my Lord. It is important that you say that right out loud. It is. It's very important. It's essential. And all through your life, every day. Well, let me say it like this. The number one action of faith is saying. The number one way of releasing your faith is with the words of your mouth. Speaking. And so what better thing to have in your mouth on a continual basis releasing faith in it, releasing power, releasing love than the praise of God, right? And we've gone into a number of things in this series about, you know, what happens when we praise God, what happens with him, what happens with us, how it affects us, how it changes us. It's just marvelous on many levels What is happening in your life when you truly are praising God from your heart. But you wouldn't have to know all there is about it. Just do it. Right? Just do it. And you'll be enjoying benefits without even realizing what all's going on in you. Like uh, Brother Hagin. Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith. He said as a little boy. He could not figure out. He tried to. How that a brown cow would give white milk. And you churn it and it'd make yellow butter. <laughs> he couldn't figure that out. But all the while he's trying to figure it out, he's a-drinking the milk <laughs> and eating the butter. How many of you can enjoy benefits of something that you don't understand how it works or why it works that way? Just believe it and act on it. Say it. Right? His praise shall Now say it, don't say it just like it's the verse here. Say it for yourself personally. Say it out loud. His praise praise. shall continually Continually. be in my mouth. mouth. That's just acting on the Bible. All the time. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Master. Now I know that sounds strange to unbelievers. But it would. Them being unbelievers, right? But that should not curtail our praise activity. We ought not let the world, uh, let ourselves be conformed to the world for fear of offending somebody that doesn't believe in God. If they don't believe in God, they're messed up. They're the ones messed up, not us. Did you hear me? It's cussing and foul language and vulgarity that's wrong. They should be embarrassed to say that stuff around us. We should not be embarrassed to praise God around them. Right? Now you don't do it for their benefit. You don't do it to put on a show for anybody. That's annoying. Isn't it? You ever seen people that have done that? They're loud and, you know, it's not right. But if you live a life of praise, it's going to come out of you without you even thinking about it. Right? It's happened with me numerous times. I've flown with all different kinds of people and, and I've been in simulator training and some business deals and, and other things. And boy, when something comes together real good, a lot of times I'll sit before I even think about it. i say, praise God. Yeah. Yeah. They'll look at me and they'll remember, oh, he's a preacher. Well, it ought to be that way with every believer, every child of God, right? Amen. And I make no apology for it. Don't intend to start. No reason to. Right? No. But you'll see Christians to oh, excuse me, excuse me, that's just a habit. Don't apologize for praising God. If they don't have that habit, they ought to get it. Amen. His praise shall continually be in my my mouth. Everybody sit out loud real strong. Praise God. Praise God. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't that feel good? Yes. Yes. See, your spirit wants to do that. Yes. Your spirit wants to do that. God. So let her rip. Yes. <laughs> At home and... In the car riding, yeah. and getting ready in the morning and getting dressed. And, oh, yeah. Man, it beats griping, yeah. belly aching. Besides that, it'll help you. Besides that, it'll do you good. Yeah. Well, in our last sessions, we've been talking about what praise is. And we said in the word praise, so many times we use that as a general term. And we're talking about at least three different things. We're talking about praise. We're talking about thanksgiving. And we're talking about worship. And we talked about what praise is. Technically and practically. What is praise? Anybody remember? One of the big words translated praise is bragging and boasting. Well, you see that in this text right here, don't you? What do he say? My soul will What? Make her boast in the Lord. Praising God is bragging on God. That's one reason why you see virtually every service. You'll hear Phyllis stand up and tell about what the Lord has done. We're not bragging on us. Right? We're not bragging on the church. We're not bragging on me or Phyllis. We're bragging on the Lord. Who did it? Who healed these people's bodies? Well, we ought to brag on him, right? We ought to tell it who brought the money in, who brought the chunks in Well, the Lord did it. Well, we ought to tell it and we ought to brag. I mean, brag, brag, oh, the Lord, he did this and he did that and he did this, tell it boast in him one place where bragging is all right and good. And, uh, you know, we don't brag on the devil. A lot of Christians do well like one person said they were having testimony service and this one lady stood up bless her heart and she said uh, she said well said, the devil's been after me all week bless his holy name <laughs> well <laughs> she kind of run everything together there but so many times what people call testifying is really bragging on the devil They're telling about what all the devil has done, how bad it is, and how hard it is, and how awful this is, and how awful that is. And then at the end, they go, y'all pray for me. That's not bragging on God. That's not praising God. That's not testifying of the Lord. Right? The Bible talks about in Ephesians that things that the ungodly do, and of course, the devil is the ungodliest of all, that you ought not even talk about them, that you ought not even mention them. Or repeat them. There's a whole lot of stuff. Even if the enemy is able to pull something off. We ought to give him no free advertising. None. None. You want to frustrate the enemy thinks he's pulled something off. You want to frustrate him. Don't even tell it. Oh it aggravates him. He wants you to tell it. So he can get somebody else scared. That the same thing's going to happen to them. But don't you do it. Even if somebody hears about it, you go, oh, bless your heart. Heard about it. You go, ah, nothing. Just, you know, the devil, he did a little something. But let me tell you about what God's doing in our life and how he's going to turn this thing around. Right? Get glory to himself. And what the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn around for good and get glory and get to bragging on God. That's the way to do it every time. So we talked about Thanksgiving. Do you remember about that? What is thanksgiving? Well, a couple of main things that we saw. Thanksgiving is being grateful, as you might think, and expressing that gratitude. And one big part of that we said is remembering. You're not going to be thankful for what you, you know, believe you deserve or what you believe is owed to you. And you're not going to be thankful for what you forget. So you've got to acknowledge one of the words for Thanksgiving involves acknowledging. When God does something for you, don't say it would have just happened anyway. Give him the credit, Amen. right? Don't talk about luck. Well, I guess it was just luck. I guess it was just chance. Well, I guess it just happened. Well, I guess you just never know. Uh No, no. When God does something for you, tell that it was him. Amen. Give him the credit. Give him the glory and thank him for it. And then remember it next year. And remember it five years from now. Right? And remember it ten years from now. And people, you know, are in a bad place when they can't think of anything to be thankful for. Their spirit's in a bad place. They're faithless. They're in darkness. If you just think a little bit, it helps to write down some things that God does for you. It's good reading. In the midst of a trial, it is. It is, because the devil tries to tell you, oh, this ain't happened, and that ain't happened, and that ain't happened in a long time, and and who have you ever heard this happen for? Well, it has happened, and it is happening, and the devil's a liar. He don't want you thinking about it, because he knows it boosts your faith, and it helps every time God comes through for you on something, write it down, date it. Then the devil's trying to mess with you sometime, go pull out your victory book. Yeah. And slap the devil. Say, yeah, it don't work. What about this? And remind him. Worked real good that time, didn't it? Yeah. 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 And what about six months later? What about that? Huh? Yeah. And what about the year after that? Huh? And what about that? What about that time I got healed and they said I couldn't get healed? What about that? What about that time? Looked like we were going under for sure. And the money came in that morning. What about that? What about that? It won't take much of that. Your spirit will start standing up on the inside going, yeah. And what's he going to do now? God's going to do the same thing now that he did last year and the year before and the year before. Oh, it boosts your faith. It helps you tremendously. But see, you're not going to be thankful for what you forget. So that's why the scripture said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. All his benefits. Then he starts naming them off, doesn't he? He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He delivers my soul from destruction. He renews my youth like the eagles. He goes on. He's remembering and thanking. And it brings you closer to your next victory. Well, let's go on to this third one that we haven't talked about much. Which one would that be? Worship. Worship. Go with me to the New Testament if you hold your place in Psalms. We're coming back there. But go over to the book of John. The book of John, the fourth chapter. And let's talk about worship this evening. John 4. John 4. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And uh, through revelation, word of knowledge, he told her about her past and she began to realize she was in the presence of God and she began to talk about religion. You know, a lot of times people do that. They want the spotlight off of them. So if something comes up, instead of talking about their self, they want to talk about some doctrinal point. You ever seen that? Happens a lot. And so she wanted to talk about that in verse 20 of John 4, 20. She said, our fathers did what? Worshiped in this mountain. And you say, now see, they were Samaritans. And she's talking to Jesus as a Jew. You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So what was her big deal that she wanted to talk about was where? the correct geographical location for worship. And of course, carnal people, natural people uh, emphasize the natural. Spiritual people emphasize the spiritual. Jesus said to her, verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Now that was a new word in that day. Oh, that was radical to say it's not about the place because it was about the place big time with those people in that day. But Jesus is introducing them to the new covenant, isn't he? See, he said the hour comes. And it was right at the door when he was going to be offered up as the final sacrifice and pay the price. And when he did, when he was... You remember the veil was torn, right? That separated the holy of holies from the rest. And symbolizing that now the way is open for everybody to come right into the presence of God by the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, my, my, my. That's why our covenant is a better covenant. Established upon better promises makes no difference what your background is, Jew or Gentile or Samaritan, male or female or uh, color, race. None of it makes any difference. It's all by the blood. We all have access. See, in the old covenant, only the high priest could go into the holy of holies and only after particular preparation. Washing and, and cleansing and offering of sacrifice for himself and putting on the special robes and only at the right time. You could fall dead. And anybody else was forbidden from going in. Oh, but now, now the New Testament says we can come boldly before the very throne of God. You can. I can. Everybody can. Now the New Testament says there's just one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Just one. I have a real issue with these people and ministers and ministries and denominations that tell you that you have to come through them. You have to come through the preacher to get to God. You have to come through them to get forgiveness of sin. You have to come through them to get your prayers answered. Or you have to come through, you know, saints that are here or saints that are gone. No, you don't. No, you don't. One mediator. One. One. Jesus. Jesus. And through him, you, not you plus somebody else, you can come right straight to the throne of God. And the Father God Himself hear you and answer your prayer. Oh, glory to God. What a privilege! What an honor. I know people believe other things, but you got to get back to the Bible now. Yeah. Right? Yes. I don't wear any St. Christopher's around my neck. I don't pray to Mary. I have the greatest respect for Mary. But nothing in the Bible about anybody ever praying to her. Did you hear me? We can go straight to the throne. I said we can go straight to the throne. Right? In the name of Jesus. Jesus himself said. In that day you'll ask me nothing. But whatever you ask the father in my name. He'll give it to you. Ask that your joy may be full. Woo. Glory to God. (laughs) Make any difference if he was born again yesterday. How bad you might have been. How many sins you may have committed. If you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If you're cleansed, you're cleansed. You might not be able to quote two scriptures or one. But if you believe this, you can come by faith into the very presence of the most high God, creator of heavens and earth. And just say, I come in the name of Jesus. I come not on my own merits. I come based on his blood washing me from my sins. I come in his name and you're accepted. You're received and you're heard. Oh, glory to God. How blessed we are. How privileged we are. Don't be misled by anything else. Now we're going to get into some things tonight and I'm not trying to come against anybody or any group, but you're going to see some things in the word that we are strictly told not to do concerning worship We're to worship God only, right? He said, it's not the place. He said, the time's coming. How many know we live in that time? He was talking about, we're there. It was established when he was raised from the dead. Now, he said, it won't be, you won't say that this is the place or that is the place. Thank God for having a nice church. That we can all come together and worship God. But how many know you don't have to wait till church time to worship God and you don't have to come stand in the building to worship God. No, no, no. Or to be worshiping God all the time. Worship God in your house. Worship God on your bed. Worship God in your car. Worship God. He said, verse 23, the hour comes and now is. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. See, we talked about a while back that true praise and thanksgiving and worship blesses God. Remember we camped on that a while? We saw numerous scriptures. That he receives it, he inhales it, he takes it into himself like sweet incense, like a beautiful aroma. It pleases him, it blesses him. Well, that's reason enough to do it. Right? Even if you didn't know about the personal benefits, if you know that it blesses him, we ought to do it. He said, the father seeketh such. Well, that's a strong statement. God seeks such. Such. Would you raise your hand and say, I'm a worshiper of God. I'm a worshiper of God. A true worshiper of God. True worshiper of God. Verse 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him. How? That's the third time that's been emphasized in these two verses. What's the opposite of spirit, flesh? What's the opposite of truth, falseness, deception? So notice the word must. In other words, you can't worship God just with fleshly things. And you can't worship God with any pretense or falseness. Now, the devil is called the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4. And he's also called the, uh, well, for lack of a better word, in Corinthians, Paul talked about, the Holy Ghost through him talked about how that the enemy's representatives are transformed. And the word there is like our word actor. The devil is a liar and the father of it. And he and his cohorts and people that are influenced by him are the preeminent actors, pretenders. And God, that's the furthest thing from him that there could be. There is no pretense in God. There is no falseness. There's no lie at all. In God, he is perfectly true. And real and genuine and right. And in order to worship him, you must rid yourself of pretending and falseness. He. I don't care how beautiful the pitch of one's voice might be. I don't care how eloquent the speech of one might be. And their supposed praise to God. If you're doing it for somebody else to see you or hear you. If there's the least bit of put on, God will not receive it. That pretense will be like a wall between you and him. He actually hates it. He hates Anything that has to do with a lie. And so when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know what else you love? You love truth. I've said this before and it sounds strange, but I love the truth more than I love anything or anybody. Somebody said, that's a big statement, I know it. Somebody might say, well, I thought you're supposed to love Jesus. That's what I just said. Right? He is the way. He is the truth. I thought you were supposed to love the word of God. That's what I just said. The Bible said, thy word is true. I thought you are supposed to love the Holy Ghost. That's what I just said. He's called the spirit of truth. 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 And the more you love God, the more you come to hate and despise lies. It's through lies that people are destroyed. It's through being deceived. It is so sad, I mean, that we have billions on this planet that believe lies. And it's taking them to hell. You might say, well, this is taking them to hell. Well, it's believing the lie that's taken them. And what could set them free? Truth. The truth. And that's what the battle is over. In its simplest form, that's what the battle in the earth is over. Somebody said, well, it's over souls. Well, this is how it's over souls. All the devils in hell can't keep a soul in darkness when the truth comes on their mind and their heart. And they believe it and confess Jesus. All hell can hold them back from being saved. There's no amount of darkness that can overcome the light. So the battle is over truth. Sometimes people talk about attacking the kingdom of darkness. And people have gotten off into fleshly stuff. So they put on their uniforms. And they get to the highest place they can get and get them a bullhorn. And scream at the devil. He just laughs at such stuff. But you want to seriously attack the enemy? Run, grab somebody and tell them the truth. That's a direct attack. Did you hear me? The truth. So we're launching truth missiles tonight. Right? Truth missiles. Truth bombs. Laser beams. And every time somebody gets saved, that's a casualty for the enemy. We're winning. Don't believe anything else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The truth is what this is over. God is truth. His word is not mostly truth. It's truth. There's no shadow of turning in God. There's no little bit of darkness. There's not the smallest amount of pretense. Pretending is completely ungodly. And we live in a world full of it. Pretense. Don't we? Oh, and you have to watch about feeding on falseness all the time. Feeding on falseness, feeding of this person's pretending this and this person's pretending that and people get in a habit of putting on a front and sometimes people say, you know, I wish I could just hurry up and get home. Why? And so I just want to get home where I can just relax and be myself. Ah, <laughs> well, who are you being now? And it is a fact, pretending is fatiguing. Oh, it'll wear you out. So what's the solution? I I don't want people to really see how I am. They won't like me. Well, change. (laughs) If you need to change, change. But in worshiping God, how many know God sees through everything? You can't fool him. I mean, you can't put on the front and him by it. I don't care what's coming out of your mouth or what you look like or sound like on the outside. He sees through everything. He sees right out into your heart. And he knows what you mean and what you don't. What's real and what's not. He will not regard vanity. He will not even pay any attention to it. It's only genuineness. Truth And the reason I'm camping on this is because this is such an essential part of worship. In order to worship, for lack of a better phrase, you've got to get real. Amen. You know what I mean by that? You've got to get real with God. I mean no junk, no put on, nothing at all like that. It's just 100% real. And only then can you worship God. They that worship him must worship him how? Tell me. In spirit. Not just a bunch of fleshly stuff. Out of your insides. The real you. The one on the inside. And in? Genuineness. Reality. Truth. Now listen to some of the definitions of the word that's translated worship in the Bible. There's more than one. One of the words that's translated worship literally means to prostrate oneself. I won't give you all the Hebrew stuff. I'll just summarize it. It means to bow before. And to prostrate or to lay flat. How many know there are times you ought to do that? You ought not go all year. And you haven't done that. Right? And you don't have to do it at the church house. There may be times we do it. But. The more we talk about this, you'll see that how true worship is really intimate. And you ought to see some of the strongest worship in private. There ought to be times when you bow before God. And times when you prostrate yourself, you lay flat out. Face down. Stretch out. Before God and you worship him. You worship him. Another uh, word that's translated worship means to kiss towards. That's the New Testament word for worship. That's interesting, isn't it? To kiss towards, but then if you look up the word, you'll find that uh, the description of it helps you. It's the word proskuneo, and it, Strong's I believe it is, and Vines, it's like a dog licking his master's hand. Like a dog licking his master's hand. Now don't let the word dog throw you. But it's a picture. What? The dog and the master. We're not dogs. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. But. He is great. I said he is great. And we ought to have no problem. Bowing before him. Right? Kissing his hand. Or his foot. Right? There's some beautiful descriptors of this in the New Testament. In fact, go to uh, Matthew. Why don't you just back a few pages? The 28th chapter. I'm going to read some of these words again once we read this passage. But in Matthew 28. This is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. Matthew 28, the angel in verse 5 and 6 had told them that Jesus was risen, and verse 7 to go quickly and tell the disciples, and verse 9, as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. They thought they had lost him. Now there he is standing before him, raised from the dead. (laughs) And he said, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. What were they doing? Worshipping him. Now, can you see that this is different from praise? Right? They're not standing up, boasting about the Lord. Right? This is different from thanksgiving. Now, we separate these to define them and understand them better. But you understand, you like in a service, for instance, you don't say, okay, we've praised the Lord for five minutes. Well, stop. Everybody stop. Now we're going to worship. Well, stop worshiping. Now we're going to give thank." No, they flow together. Right? You're praising and worshiping and thanking all together sometimes. While you're worshiping God, it wouldn't be uncharacteristic to say, thank you, Lord. Right? right, And remember something. But specifically speaking, I could praise God to you. Right? I can brag on God to you. I can't worship God to you. Did you hear me? When I'm worshiping God, I shouldn't be thinking about you. Are looking at you. Are thinking about you. Hearing what I'm saying. My mind shouldn't be on you at all. Your mind shouldn't be on me. Right? So. That's why in true worship. There's no place. For showmanship. Right? There's no place. For people you know. Our musicians and our singers and our teachers and our preachers, you have to know where the line is. There are times that maybe I'll quote a scripture. But if I get to quoting something to impress you with my knowledge, I've left the anointing. Did you hear me? Thank God for singers and players with beautiful voices and ability to play. But somebody playing an instrument... You can hit a hot lick to try to show off. And now you get away from the anointing. You can try to hit some notes to demonstrate your range. And you'll leave the anointing. Did you hear me? Because it's put on. And if you want to be anointed, you can't do that. If you want the presence of God manifest. In your giving. How many know that we have offerings sometimes. We have scripture for them where we stand up and we say, you know, we're going to sow this and we're going to give this and that. But if you try to impress people, then you get away from the anointing. If you want somebody to know what you did and see and hear about it and be impressed with you, you can lose your reward, the Bible says. In worship, let me remind you of these words. They fell down and they grabbed the master's feet. So they're on the ground, right? They're either bowing or they're laying flat out. How many understand there's no place for pride here? How many understand there's no time to think about you might get your clothes dirty? Right? (laughs) Or mess up your hair. Or any such thing. They're on the ground. They're holding his feet. They're worshiping him. Worship means, and tell you again, it means to go down. It means to prostrate oneself. It means to bow. It means to kiss towards, like a dog licking his master's hands. To fawn or crouch to. It also means to adore. To adore. Real worship. In real worship, you are expressing that God is great above you and high above you. You give Him His place above you and you take your place under Him. And real worship involves the fear of God. Not afraid that He's going to hurt you, but just in awe of His great power. He's big. I said, he's big. Oh, he's big. There's been times that I've worshipped the Lord and you feel like a little speck of dust at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. (laughs) You know what I mean by that? Now, I don't mean that I feel inconsequential and unimportant because we are to him the apple of his eye. But on the other hand, he's big. I said, he's big. I know some years ago, we were able to go to Hawaii. I had a trip given to us. And uh, I think it was for our 10th wedding anniversary. And um, we went whale watching in amongst some of those things. Well, we looked for whales and looked for whales and didn't see any whales and And we saw a whale's tail come up, you know, in the far distance. And we thought, well, you know, we saw one. And, of course, you'd seen them on TV and stuff like that. And it was about like that. I don't know how far away, but it was way off in the distance. Oh, we're turning, getting ready to come in. And about that time, the water broke. And there was a whale. I guess he was about far from here at the back of the building. But, man, it caught me off guard. I mean, all at once that tail started, beginning to break the water and you saw part of the tail and you just kept seeing tail and you just kept saying, this thing is, you know, TV didn't do him justice. You talk about gigantuous. You talk about huge. And one of the first things that hit you is, man, are we too close? <laughs> right? Because you, I mean, this thing could swat us out of the county, not even know it. Right. What about him who made him? How big he is. How about the one who made the ocean that he's in? And the sun that warms our planet. Oh, he's big. I said he's big. Oh, he's great. And worship expresses that. And the wonderful thing about it is the more you learn to worship, he reveals himself to you. And you begin to get glimpses that he's far bigger than you knew he was. He's far greater than you had any idea. It's sad. People who believe there is no God. How ignorant they are. Of where they are in their existence of him. But the ones that draw near to him. What does he say he does then? He draws near to you and it's kind of like that whale in the distance. I mean you know he's big but it doesn't register on you. Until the whale draws near to you, <laughs> are you with me on this now? And when he draws near to you, you can just be speechless. You can just stand there going, "Ah, oh, Ooh. And to your flesh, it's scary. David loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said in one of the Psalms, he said, my flesh trembles for fear of you. And it's not that he's afraid God's going to hurt him. But he's just so big. He's just so mighty. He's so awesome. He he knows everything. He's so brilliant. He's so amazing. He knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts before they show up. The have said he knows your thoughts are far off. Yeah. Before you ever say a word, he knows what you're going to say. He knows you're in from the beginning. So it's not time to play games. All right. right? Watch about borrowing phraseology. <laughs> Our great father, durst it please thee. For us to giveth thee our worship. Don't do anything for pretense. Don't try to polish up and be something you're not. He's looking for the reality. If you're going to worship him, it's got to come straight out of your insides. No varnish, no tarnish. Right? No put on. Just real. And just tell him for real that you know how good he is and you know how big he is. God, we worship you. You are so big. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. You made the oceans and the mountains. You make the sun to shine. And there are times when you ought to go ahead and bow. Go ahead and lay out before him. And say, we worship you. And friends, you can get to some rich places in God like that in your bedroom with your nose in your carpet. Did you hear me saying, God, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. You don't have to come up with some fancy something to say. Just really, truly out of your heart. I adore you. I love you, Lord. And I worship you. How great you are. How great you are. You can get caught up in that. And hours pass. Did you hear me? And times like that, God will talk to you. You don't have to hear an audible voice. But on the inside of you, you'll just know things, and he'll become more real to you, and he can catch you off guard. You can be all oh, great, how great thou art, how great thou art, and here here's the big tail breaks the water, and you go, whoo, you really are great, whoo, 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 oh, you're big, oh, you're big. The bigger your faith means the bigger you know God is, those two are intertwined, and it makes you sassy with the devil, and it makes you sassy with your problems. You get to fellowship with God like that, and you get a glimpse of how big He is, and somebody or something try to tell you you can't be healed, God can't heal you, you'll go, "What? Have you seen him lately?" You trying to tell me he can't fix this little problem? The devil try to tell you something. Try to tell you that the money can't come. It's too much. It's not enough time. You'll go what? God who made the planets. God who made all the. Go- you trying to tell me that God can't take care of this little bill? Oh, in His presence, everything looks small, and the problems look even smaller. Will it do us some good to worship God? Go to the Psalms now. Let's look at some wonderful examples of worshiping God. There are many, many, many. But let me give you a few. There's numerous times in the New Testament where it says, um, let me just read some of them to you. Matthew 2, they fell down and worshiped him. Let's see, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about falling down and worshiping God. In Revelation, there must be half a dozen different places where the elders and the beast and the winged creatures and angels again and again says they fell down, they fall down, they fall down and worship him. That's what's going on in heaven. It ought to be going on in the earth too, right? And it ought not to be a strange thing to you and I when we get to heaven. We ought to be well practiced in it on the earth here before we get there. But go to Psalm 95. Let's look at some spirit, anointed, inspired words of worship. And then how many think we ought to give God some of our own tonight, right out of our heart? Then let's do that. Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Now, let me just stop right here. Praise, thanksgiving, and worship is not to be mournful. You see, people make a mistake in this area. I don't know at the times. I've been out on the road. Or I've been in meetings. And I've had different bands and groups playing with me. And a lot of times, I've had to stir them up several times and say, go ahead and play. Because they sense the anointing of God. And they think that means you've got to be real slow. And the drummer can't play. And everybody has to be real quiet. Because they sense the anointing. And then you hear some people begin to be mournful. Oh, God. Oh, watch out. Watch out. That can be just flesh. Just a religious habit that somebody learned years ago. We see it repeatedly here Make what kind of sound? A sad sound? What kind of sound? Joyful. Joyful. Would that include worship? Yes. You can be sincere without being depressed. This is important, friends. I mean, so much of the church world is twisted in this area. I've been talking to people before, and we've been having a light conversation, and then they find out what I do, and they go, Oh, yes, brother. <laughs> Immediately they think, that you're supposed to be depressed supposed to show heaviness to show seriousness well it's no wonder people are staying away from churches by the millions right because they think that's all it's about and if you really sell out to God and give your heart completely to God you're not going to have any more fun fun's over we we'll just all stand around, and look at each other and go, "Yes." Amen!" Sad but true. You just never know. <laughs> and none of that's in the Bible. That's not God. Heaven is a happy place, brother sister. Amen. Woo, you talk about partying. You talk about some noise. You talk about a joyful sound. Whew. That's heaven. And we're supposed to have four tastes of heaven on earth. We're supposed to enjoy the first fruits. Make a what kind of sound? He says it twice. Joyful. Joyful sound. Noise. Joyful noise and sound. Why? Verse 3. For the Lord is a great God. He's a great God. He's a great God. He's a great King. Above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is His he made it. His hands formed the dry land. There was a time when there was no dry land. Darkness was on the face of the deep. What you and I are standing on, God made it. He brought it out of the water. Formed the continents and the high places of the earth. He's a big God. I said he's a big God. God. Healing is nothing for Him. Getting some bills paid is nothing for Him. I mean, nothing. How small it is before Him. What does He say, verse 6? Oh, come. Oh, come. And do what? Let us worship. Worship. Now, get the setting. What have they been talking about? His greatness. Right? How big he is. Let us worship. And do what? And bow down. Let us what? Kneel. Before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand. Glory to God. He's a big God. We ought to worship him. Bow before him. Kneel before him. Prostrate ourselves before Him. And worship Him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and all that in them is. Worship His greatness. Glory to God. Skip on down to uh, the 96th Psalm. Verse 3. 96.3 Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great. And greatly to be praised. He is to be feared. Above all gods. Now let me talk about the opposite of this. And we are to have no fear. Of any other God. Right? Remember the enemy. Tempting Jesus. Took him up on the pinnacle. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Said all this I'll give you. Because it's been delivered to me. That's a fact. Second Corinthians calls him the God of this world. Which also explains about all the junk that's in the world. Right? All the chaos and destruction. That's not God's doing. He said I'll give it to you. If you'll do what? If you will fall down. And worship me. What did Jesus say? You get behind me. He said it's written. You will worship the Lord your God. And him only. Will you worship. You don't bow. Before any picture. You don't bow. Before any statue. Did you hear me? You don't worship any angel. You don't worship. Any departed saint. Did you hear me? You don't worship any preacher. You don't worship any human. None. 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 Right? No, you don't pray to any beads. You don't pray to any totem. You pray to the unseen God. Did you hear me? How many remember in the scripture? How I mean, he forbade them. He said, you don't make, you didn't see any likeness in the mount. So you don't make any statue. You don't make any likeness. Right? You worship God. Hallelujah. You can't talk too much about angels. How many know we don't worship angels? Nope. Thank God for them. They're sent to help us. We don't worship them. We don't pray to them. We don't even talk too much about them. They don't get the glory. God gets the glory. Amen. Right? Amen. Worship God and Him only. Him only. So we're not afraid of witchcraft. We're not afraid of anybody putting a curse on us. That's a great thing about fearing God. You don't have to fear anything else. Right? Because who's bigger than him? Who can override him? If God's for you, who can successfully be against you? You remember when they called Balaam and tried to get him to curse the people of God. And he tried and tried and tried. He said, how can you curse whom God has blessed? He was apparently an expert curser. (laughs) He said, you can't do it. When God's blessed somebody... I don't care what kind of hoodoo, voodoo, magic incantation, curse, and anything else. Fear none of it. Fear no false God. Fear no, don't you sit around and tremble and think, well, I wonder what they're doing over there. I think they might be trying to put a curse on their church. And if they do, they better make it for their hat size. Because it's coming right back on their head. The Bible said the curse causeless shall not come. It will return to the place where it came from. We're going to curse you. (laughs) Let her rip. (laughs) It's coming right back on you. Because you cannot curse. Whom God has blessed. And when you fear the almighty God. Creator of heavens and earth. God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You need fear. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. No other so-called God. Aren't you glad? We know the King of kings. Lord of lords. Keep reading. The Lord is great. Greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. They're nothing. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Now that's interesting, isn't it? How many know that offerings are supposed to be worship? In fact, the word worship includes the whole idea of serving God. Sometimes instead of saying serving God with your life, it talks about worshiping God and it includes your whole life serving God. And, uh, you know, sometimes people don't like to talk about money and talk about offerings and those things. But the Bible in more than one place, it says don't come before the Lord empty. Come and bring your offering. And the problem is people are looking at people and they're thinking about giving to the church or giving to these preachers or giving to the, no, look to the Lord. You're giving is to the Lord, right? And you come before him and you bring your offering and you bring your praise and you bring your worship. And then what happens? He shows up and he receives it. The more you press in and draw near to him, the more you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's shown in your offering. It's shown in your praise. It's shown in your worship. It's shown in the way you live. Then he draws near to you. And next thing you know, here comes the whale tail. You know what I mean by that, don't you? And you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You thought he could do big stuff. And then he says, you like that? And you go, oh, yeah. He goes, watch this. Look at this. How many know he is able to do? Exceeding, abundantly, far above all we ask or think. As big as you can think. He's way bigger. Way bigger. Let me give you one more and then let's act on this song. I didn't finish reading in that passage excuse me, Psalm 96, 8, 96, 8, give to the Lord the glory, due his name, bring an offering, come into his courts, verse 9, do what? Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, and do what? Fear before him, all the earth. So see, worship, as we've said, You're acknowledging how great he is, and in fear of him, in awe of him, and like we said, also in adoration, adoring him. Now to Psalm 99, Psalm 99, it says, the Lord reigns, let the people what? i tell you what. Some people have never known God. They have, I don't know what's for lack of a better term. They have a Mickey Mouse idea of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. They've never sensed his greatness. I have sensed the presence of God that made me tremble. Not in a way that I was scared of him, that he's going to hurt me. He loves me. I know that. But he's so big. He's so awesome. And I tell you what, I will take some more of it. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fine with me if I trembled and shook like a dishcloth. Right? To let the presence of the Lord be made manifest, powerfully and mighty. But you got to focus on Him. And you got to be real. No junk. No falseness, no play, no pretend. Spirit, not flesh. Truth, not phoniness. Everybody say no phony, no phoniness. Keep reading. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. How many? It takes some trembling in a good way. Would you take some of that? He sits between the cherubims. Let the earth. Be moved. Wow. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all the people. Let them praise your great and terrible name, for it is holy, pure, and powerful. The king's strength. Also loves judgment. You do establish equity. You execute judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship where? At his footstool. Bow down. For he is holy, holy, holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests. Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. You answered them, O Lord our God, you are a God that forgave them. Though you took vengeance on their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill for the Lord, our God is holy. He's holy. Worship him. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge,